second. How's it going, man? Good, man. How you doing? <laughs> Good. I'm. I'm. You know what? I'm like a. I'm like a kid waiting for Santa because uh, our gyms open up at midnight. Oh, nice. And, it's and I'm, for one on one, or or is it open open? It's open gym. Um, there's restrictions, nice. obviously, because of COVID. So. 25% capacity, but I don't think there's going to be a lot of people there at 3 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, also, yeah you're I mean, an early one. Yeah, you know what? I'd rather work out while everybody's sleeping and then uh, get my butt to work, but it's been two months of I could literally hear myself getting fatter every day. <laughs> you and everybody now. else. <laughs> oh, I know, man, but you know what? It's 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 nuts how, <clears throat> how we've had uh, two months off following three months on and two months off before that like we've been completely shaken up you know like yeah we've I, had go ahead no no go ahead we've got, we've got a bit of a delay go ahead yeah oh really yeah well you know like for us to be to, to be shut down like that and what i noticed real quick in the barbershop is that we we were kind of everybody seemed to be working except for yeah. the service industry. Like we, we lost a pile restaurants, lost a pile. Um, but I mean, most of everybody else was still working. If they're hydro workers or construction workers or carpenters or in sales or whatever, things were ticking along quite well, you know, but for the rest of us, yeah. it was, uh, it felt like everybody was down, although it was really probably 10% of us, but the yeah. businesses that are yeah, affected, sure. there's a lot of businesses. Yeah, and and the ones that were still like that are still were ticking through the whole thing, like you said, and, and doing okay. Uh, it was still different for them, but they still seemed to like you know, like retail, for example. Um, you know, the the way retail was has been set up for this last while is completely different than they're used to and the shoppers are used to. But yet, you look at retail numbers and they're through the roof. So, like, it's a, it's a very interesting. Well, it's almost like there's a. It's like the garden hose of wealth has been kinked for the people that have been earning all this time. So as yeah. soon as things opened up, spending was happening. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it's, it's different. Um, restaurants are really going to be happy to get going here too. Um, I, I find it weird that retail was allowed to open, uh, so much sooner than restaurants when, I mean, I went to some of our favorite local restaurants when we had the last kind of restrictions off and it was 50% capacity and you were nowhere near anybody. Like, yeah, you, you open up Walmart and you open up places like that, and you're allowed to go in there and just be arm, arm to arm, wall to wall with people. Um, and it seemed backwards to me a little bit, but uh, I guess the people are trying to make decisions on the fly, and uh, it's unprecedented. So who knows? Well, and I mean, when it came to the restaurants, like you, you would know better than anybody else, considering what your business has evolved into. Um, like, could you have seen yeah. this? coming i mean well be, before we even get into that i remember when you started uh dash delivery <laughs> right yeah and you told me what it yep. was and i was like okay and that this thing just evolved and i mean for this to to grow yep. and then boom during this time i mean you probably saved a lot of restaurants man like do you realize the weight of the service that you provided we did actually like we we understood the time because all of a sudden uh when everything hit it, it was the timing was really good for us um because if it had happened a month earlier uh two months earlier we wouldn't have been in a position to do what we did um but we had just had a raise um through a uh investor that kind of came on board in a big way 
And um, so, you know, we, we had the capital there to be able to expand really fast when we needed to, because all of a sudden, you know, my phone was was blowing up. I couldn't like, like while I was on the phone call with one restaurant, five more restaurants would were caught, were ringing through, and I was having to let them go to voicemail. You know. Um, and people were desperate because they shut everybody, like after the start, if you remember back to almost a year ago now, they shut every, every restaurant in Canada down uh, for the first while, like completely. And, uh, and so every restaurant was, was, was just ringing off the hook, trying to figure out how they were going to get this accomplished. And, uh, and yeah, like the desperation was real in some of their voices. Like you could hear it. I, I felt bad for people, really bad for some of them. And so what we did, is, like, because we had just had that capital come in, we went hard at setting up a whole bunch of new towns uh, that weren't even on our list where we'd have a restaurant reach out to us. And they'd, you know, if there were one or two restaurants that reached out from the same town, so we knew we had some kind of a base to go there, we would just go, even if we typically, our plan was to launch with five, six, seven restaurants before we go. And we were just saying, okay, you know, this, you, these guys need us there. Let's launch that town with one restaurant and the rest will hopefully come. And uh, so it was really putting a strain on the team for, for how hard we were going uh, to get all these people up and running. Uh, but you know, it also, it was like nothing like trial by fire. Cause all of a sudden we figured out the processes that weren't there before to set up remotely to set up, um, faster and to set up and to, and to get more restaurants online in that town as fast as possible. And yeah, so what, what that gave us was a kind of a, a template that we've now evolved and now we're still moving at that speed, but now we're doing it more gracefully. And, and, uh, it's, yeah, it's different. <laughs> so well, it, and it's completely different than what you, what this originally was. I mean, I, I we haven't gotten into exactly what it is that you do yet, but uh, how did this start? Dash, it started off as, what did it, it was called Dash originally, wasn't it? Just Dash, yeah, Dash app. Um, we, I started, I guess, like a, it was a solo project in 2014. Uh, I started, I was working, uh, selling cars at Murray's here in town, and uh, it was uh, just kind of an idea that came out the one time. We, I, I kind of remember it. There was a couple times in a row where where we went out to meet some friends for some some appies and drinks back in the days when you could do that, and uh, we uh, it just seemed to hit the wrong night every time. we go down, we go sit down there, and it, the night before was like wings and pints were on special, and we'd go end up on, on a, the next day, and it was like Long Island Ace Teas or something like that that nobody cared about. And uh, we talked about a few times. Apps were, you know, they were already around in 2014, but that's kind of really at the peak when they started kind of blowing up. And we said, there's got to be a way you can make an app that would that would do this. So then the ideas kept evolving. I'm like, well, how do you do this? So I started looking around the internet, and um, there's lots of companies out there that would help you build one for for pretty cheap back then. It's gotten a lot cheaper, but at the time there wasn't any teams around. Um, and so we started kind of putting it together and it looked like it was something that could work. So we, it was built for Brandon originally and it was built to put every restaurant in town in their app. And then we, I went around, seen the restaurants, got their menus, got their daily specials, got pictures of their food and then built them a profile within the app. And so you could jump in there, you could see all the restaurants, see what was going on um, and know, you know, what night were your, your pints were on special or what night your, uh, your rings were on special. And, it was never really meant to be kind of monetized in that way at that time. I, I expected it for Brandon. We put some ad spots in there so that it would pay for itself. Wouldn't be an expense kind of thing, you know? Um, and then lo and behold, as soon as I went out, we launched basically January 1st of 15 kind of thing, um, start of the year. And we're able to launch with like all of the advertising spots sold out. Um, and, you know, in first in a town of 50,000 people in the first week, we had a thousand downloads or something like that first week or two. And so it was just obviously the, the, it was 
looked like it was maybe meant to be something more than that kind of thing. So that evolved from there to bringing in some some close friends, uh, uh, both as investors and and uh, in, in one particular case, somebody who was in a position to be able to go on the road and start taking aesthetic towns. Uh, Mitch, you know, yeah. um, he was looking at starting a business himself at the time, and so I and I wasn't comfortable enough at that point. Like it was working in Brandon, but like, do you quit your day job to go? Uh, to go pursue this when you just had a, a baby for one thing, <laughs> you know, and all this kind of stuff. So uh, it was kind of cool that uh, like Mitch jumped on board. And he's like, you know, I'll, I'll do this. Uh, he wanted somebody to go with him. We hired a guy and they went to Regina. Regina worked well. So then I did quit my day job uh, and then went, uh, went to, with them to Saskatoon to set up then Winnipeg. And that's kind of where we got to here. So it was working well. We, we'd set up and we went to bigger and bigger and bigger cities as we went. Um, and it became a lot more work, like because we literally put boots in every restaurant to make sure we had the right stuff. That was the big kind of the big difference was that you could go to Yelp or you could go to uh, a couple different different sites that would uh, TripAdvisor that would uh, give you uh, some of that information. They would have profiles for most of the restaurants on there, but they were all user driven. So if somebody didn't go in there, you know, the owner themselves go put a upload their menu uh, or somebody took a snapshot of the menu while they were eating and put it up there. Great. They, they might have it there. Uh, next to their half-eaten sandwich or something, you know. Um, but we had, like, nicely set up profiles with scanned PDFs of their menus all the time, and it really required going out to these places. Everybody would always say, too, like, can't you just get the restaurants to send it to you? And, like, getting stuff like that from restaurants is, like, pulling teeth. <laughs> it was We tried that route. And sometimes you'd call four times and get someone on the phone and be like, yeah, I'll, I'll get it off to you tomorrow. And then it would never come. So you literally have to go down to the restaurant, take pictures yourself or, or whatever you had to do. it. And uh, well, do that. I- so, like, for example... Oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm kind of rambling. Well, I remember when you. I remember when you. No, no, that's awesome. That's 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 the whole point. You know where this started, where how it became what it became. I remember when you had just this idea just came out, and you were always out of town. You were or out and about in yeah. every restaurant. You're like, no, I'm putting their menus on the internet. I'm like, okay. And next thing you know, you're in Saskatchewan, <laughs> and next thing you're hitting Winnipeg. And you worked harder than anybody I know that has a computer-based pro- computer-based business. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how it had to work. You know, that was what separated us. Uh, the difference was that we were going out there and getting the stuff. So, like, you know, if we had us at when we were, it started to get a little more sparse towards the end when we had all four cities going. Because, like, I was about to say, like, Mitch, Mitch would literally go collect the menus in Winnipeg. I had to go see fifteen hundred restaurants um, to get those those menus. And a little less because. Um, we, we wouldn't get the fast food ones from there because they change so often and people know what's at McDonald's kind of thing, you know? So it was mainly for the, for the standalone restaurants and the, and the kind of sit down chains, but still it was all those ones you had to go see. And so it, that was, that became, it's like, he was incredibly fast at it. So he, it became his job. He just cycled through the cities and would, right. would go by the time he was done round one, he would take a quick break and then he'd go back out again and do it again to make sure we were up to date. Um, we went to Saskatoon. I moved my whole family there for six months while we did it. Cause, uh, uh, Amy was on mat leave at the time and uh, just rather than be away for that much time, we just rented a house up there to stay at for while well, we set up the city and uh, then uh, moved in there. Mitch, Mitch was our roommate again for like the fifth time over the, <laughs> over our lives and uh, uh, sat up there till we were done. By the time we were done, mat leave, um, it was getting to be more and more computer work at the time. And Amy didn't really want to go back and work at the hospital again. So she became another dash employee. Um, she's still over here working right now as I'm looking <laughs> so, Someone's got to get the work done while you're sitting on your computer. Exactly. Right. <laughs> while you're out, sitting here having a rum and talking to you. <laughs> yeah. 
but it, but yeah, it, no, it was, it was so, a lot. Yeah, and thing is, I, I mean, I've and I've heard, I've heard it from the beginning, all the way until today, uh, just through the chair and seeing how. I mean, you were living in your camper for almost a year, wasn't it? Like out west. Yeah, until uh, till COVID hit, actually, and that's when everything kind of changed for us. So, you know, it, it evolved into the delivery thing. Um, through more and more restaurants asking us to, for it to happen, actually. So we had an ordering platform that we already had in place. Uh, it was part of the, what we started, because at this point when we were going around selling places, we were still selling advertising, basically. Um, was our, you know, you could be in the app for free. Everybody gets to be in for free. It's the freemium model, they call it. Um, and then if you paid, we would put them to the top or we would uh, have notification go out when they had a special on, you know, things you could buy within the app. Um, but... More and we and we would give them this ordering system if they signed up for anything if they wanted to have online ordering, um, and we had more and more restaurants just saying that they needed some competition for for Skip because uh, at the time they were they were you know they crushed it here they were the only they still crushing it but they were the only um, basically delivery company in Canada at that point in time and it was about that time that DoorDash and Uber were coming to Canada but they were still basically in like Toronto and Vancouver um, and so there was a lot of people asking us if we could go you know give them some competition. There was restaurants that had, they, they, they charge, uh, you know, it's kind of in the, in the news and stuff a lot more than we do. I'll say in that regard. Uh, and I understand a lot of their costs. Like they, they have a lot of costs we don't have in their urban centers, which is kind of part of why we went this way, but it was enough that some restaurants, you know, locally wouldn't go on board and they would say, you know, if somebody came in at a lower price, um, we would, we would look at delivery. So we thought, okay, let's give it a try. We'll, we'll do it in Brandon here. Um, make sure we cut our teeth in the, at the time, our smallest market. Um, and it went really well. Uh, Skip is obviously still the market leader here. They're the they're the known ones. They got John Ham and the Jets. So, uh, but we were still doing probably right out the gate uh, like twenty percent of the deliveries in town with that. So it was working. And we took a pivot at that point and said, "Well, let's let's take a look instead of going up like we did with the reg- regular app and going from you know Brandon to the next biggest cities, Regina to the next biggest cities, Saskatoon to the next biggest cities, Winnipeg." We said, "Let's go the other way around. Let's go look at some smaller towns that don't have delivery." and see if it can work in those towns or why nobody has really kind of gone there yet. And it, it blew up in these towns, the first ones we went to. So we kind of started pursuing that. And that's where, where you're talking about there. Initially I got to work around here cause I took on Manitoba and uh, set up Steinbach and Winkler and Morden, uh, eventually Portage and and Selkirk Dauphin now, but I could do that from home. And Mitch went to Saskatchewan was setting up there. And then we rounded kind of the bigger towns in those those spots. So it was going had to go east or west. And he went east, started doing Ontario. I went west and to Alberta and then BC. And for that, it was back on the road again, living for two years. Um, and for the second half, yeah, I took my camper out west. And so I would uh, stay. That was by the time I got to BC, I stay in the camper. Uh, it worked out nicely because winter was coming. And uh, it was much cheaper to stay in the camper than get Airbnbs or hotels. They were like, Mitch was always airbnb out in Ontario. Um, so I started looking, I'm like, where can you take a camper and live in the wintertime? And Vancouver Island is like the only place in Canada that you can do that. So yeah, uh, no kidding. that's where we were at kind of at this phase. Yeah. We were out, I was on the Island and I would, I'd be out there for three weeks. I'd set up a town. I'd come home for 10 days, uh, fly back out, set up, set up another town. It was, it was nice. I didn't have to move my camper a bunch out there. I could, there was the towns were kind of all driving distance from there. Um, so I was doing that and that's when COVID hit in, uh, in 2020, I was on my way home. It was kind of nerve wracking actually because I was on an island, 
And all of a sudden, everything's shutting down. Uh, everybody's talking about this thing's getting bigger and bigger. My aunt and uncle were had just actually come out from Manitoba to visit me out there. They, not to visit me. They were they were just out touring BC, but they came out to the island and stayed with me for a couple of days. And uh, also, they were starting to work because they had planes to come home right away. And I had a plane like five days later to come home. And everything was getting down. Like, am I get stuck on this island? Like, I need to get out of here. <laughs> well, there's worse uh, places and, to be stuck uh, in like, February. It, yeah, very true. It wouldn't have been the worst in the world that way. But I was looking forward to coming. Like, it was, that was the end of my three week cycle. I wanted to come see the family. I didn't want to spend any more time out there. And uh, but luckily, got in there and got back home, and then never went back again. I literally never went back. So uh, it was my my uncle's brother on the other side of the family that was uh, living out there that they also came to see, and he comes back here every summer. So it just sat there. I paid for it to sit there on the in the campsites, thinking that I eventually would be coming back. And as everything ramped up, we, we learned how to do this remotely, we learned how to set everything up remotely. I never had to go back. And eventually when he came home, I, I uh, asked him and he, he drove it back when he came home um, and got my camper back. So otherwise, my truck and my camper were just sitting there parked for like four months. But <laughs> Well, you know, but so COVID hit, you were boots on the ground everywhere you had to be. And then did it become like it was trial by fire, but did it become it obviously became more efficient when you were forced to do it here? Yeah. I mean, uh, so when, when I was going out, I would set up a town, we would launch with five to eight restaurants, say uh, Mitch was doing the same thing out, uh, out East. And that was kind of, so, you know, in a month we would set up anywhere from 10 to, to 15 kind of restaurants sort of thing. Um, and then a few more, you know, like because once you've been in a town, you get calls from people a month later after it started, and you'd set a few. So maybe say twenty um, restaurants in a month. And now with the way we're going, we have uh, one of our one of our salespeople set up thirty in December himself, um, but remotely. And we're putting up more like you know sixty, fifty, sixty, I think right now uh, in, in a month. So and that's not having to go to the towns because it's like we've got a system in place. We we had to figure it out, like you said, travel by fire to to kind of get there. And it was just like, where can we do this more efficiently? How can we give them more information from a distance? So we started making, you know, paying for videos to be done and things like that that we could email out so they could see it as if you were there um, without without being there. And now more and more, it's kind of like this. Like, so we use Google Meet for a lot of the restaurant owners. So you can still kind of sit across from them um, and walk them through everything, show them the app and and present your screen. Um, so like so many things in, in Canada and in the world through this uh some people learn to adapt to things that they didn't have to before and found out the way that thing, the way they adapted worked better than the way they were doing it before. You know, I see quite a bit of that. Well, and I remember back before, obviously long before I was cutting hair for a living or selling houses for a living. Um, <clears throat> I used to work at Boston pizza back in the day when it was on 34th street yeah. and delivery drivers, like the restaurant had to have a delivery driver and three quarters of the night he was just sitting at the bar, you know? So I'm yeah. sure that you're saving these guys money by not, they're not paying an hourly wage to someone to be just waiting, 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 and then doing the odd delivery. Yeah. Like, is that yeah, how it works? There's like, a lot of things you, like that. There's ins- ins- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you have your own drivers, right? Or how's that work? No, they're, they're contract delivery drivers. Yeah. And you kind of have to do that. Like there's a lot of stuff in the news about that um, being like, an issue towards for the drivers. And I honestly don't believe that it's not because I have a, a, a dog in this fight in that regard. It's having seen this side of it and having seen the drivers. I don't believe that's the case. I think there's some disgruntled people out there who would, you know, if they're in a slow community where it's not very busy, 
uh, or, or they're getting shifts in the city where they're not very busy. There's too many people on um, and they're not making as much money. Um, they're wishing that they could be getting paid while they're sitting there waiting for orders. And it's kind of with a, with like any contract you're paid when, when you're getting orders, but that's kind of a small select crew, even, even in a place like California where they actually passed a proposition this last year um, to make that all gig workers would be employees. And then they ended up having to walk it back a few months later uh, because when like Uber and, uh, and DoorDash and a few of them were able to show that when they pulled most of their drivers, most of their drivers didn't like it. Most of them wanted to be back the way they were because the difference was the gig economy means you can work when you want to work. If you don't want to work, you don't work. And if you, and for the, like most of our drivers have a day job or they have an evening job, they have a full-time job somewhere else and they're trying to make some extra money uh, for whatever reason that they need it for, whether it's just to put some away or, or they need more in their life, whatever it happens to be, they can pick up as many or as little shifts as they want to. They can do it when they want to. Uh, and you can't do that once it becomes a, an hourly wage. Um, so they, they ended up changing the law back afterwards there. But well, I think yeah. when, and as far the as way you go ahead, the way you used to say like, one more thing too, as far as <laughs> can you say it and then I'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, the, there's definitely like not everybody uh, um, is going to go that hard as some of these guys do, but but we have a few guys and, and ladies across the country that are that are making literally more money than I make uh, driving and delivery driving because they go hard. They'll take any shifts they can. Uh, they they get really good at. They know how to bang out four or five deliveries an hour. Um, and they're literally making like literally making more money than I make. Um, it, it, you know, with a company, you're hoping someday you're gonna make money that way. But as far as my salary goes, they're literally making more money than I make. So, so it's well, not. I mean, it has to be that way. And there's money to be made in that in that industry because I mean, this is. It almost seems like it went one way, then it went the other way, and it came back to the way it's happening now. Because back when I was, yeah, sixteen, seventeen, I was working for I was delivering pizza. And we didn't get a paycheck from them. We got per delivery X number of dollars. Yep. And there, there's and been some that have always done that too, all the way through. Yeah, yeah. And you just have to run and get as many deliveries as you can. And uh, the only time you got a bit of a bonus was if we had to drive out and take a pizza to Shiloh. Yeah. We get an extra yeah. 10 bucks. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. You know, and I had this. Yeah. No, it's little, been... I had this little 1977 Toyota Celica that had no heat. And uh, I drive that piece of garbage out to Shiloh um, <laughs> to deliver pizzas. And the pizzas were probably cold by the time I got there because they didn't have the technology to keep them hot back then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even the thermal bags have gotten better. Yeah, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I mean, I've seen I've seen things getting it, delivered that, I mean, you know where we are, the barbershop, and it's uh, right next to Sev. I've seen Slurpees getting delivered. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's anything. before those even, like... Even before uh, the, the convenience stores started coming along, I mean, one of the first uh, we were talking to a Smitty's way back in the day uh, when Skip was just blowing up in Winnipeg, and we were still doing the other thing, and we were and we were we were talking to one of the owners there, and he was talking about how he couldn't believe it, like he'd gotten gotten on board. It's the one I ran on Grant there actually, and and uh, um, he had said that on like Friday and Saturday nights they would be sending Red Bulls out the door, like just packages of Red Bulls for people that were partying somewhere to go mix. Uh, as much as they were sending food out, you know, in the later evening kind of parts, and people would just order four Red Bulls and send a driver off to go pick it up. And like, <laughs> you know, I was going to ask you. I was yeah. going to ask, what's the what's the? I don't know if you know what gets delivered or not, but what's the strangest thing you guys have delivered? Don't say, baby. 
Yeah, <laughs> not there yet. No, <laughs> uh, the strangest thing we, I, I can't think of anything really bizarre off the top of my head that we've seen. But I, you know, I'm so much out of, more out of touch with that now. He's like literally for the first year, we all took turns dispatching at night too, between me, Mitch, and Amy. Um, and now it's at the point where there's 25 dispatchers, and so they're the ones that are going to hear that stuff going on more than more than I get to hear the kind of those kind of details anymore. But we definitely have expanded into other other aspects of it a lot more too. So, I mean, uh, we were the second one in Manitoba to be licensed to deliver uh, app-based alcohol after skip. Um, the, this is our third year actually doing it now. And now there's a couple of other ones, but but at the time there was just the two of us. Um, and now we've just got licensed for cannabis. Um, we've got convenience stores on. We've got a vape shop on in a couple of different towns. Um, you know, bakeries. I, I've been trying to get – I've never got – I went to see when I was on the road in person. I went to butchers all the time. Thinking like, why wouldn't you get a butcher like an M M&M and M meat style type thing on it? And I never ever did get one on board, but I still think that's something that seems like a like a no brainer. You're barbecuing in the backyard, and some folks pop over back when, when it's allowed, yeah. and uh, all of a sudden you you don't have to go to the fridge, you don't have any burgers, and you already got a couple beers in you. Like you could order burgers from a from a burger joint, or you can order some burgers and <laughs> keep doing what you're doing. Well, and you know when it comes to to the liquor. Um or the beer, the beer delivery. That's one thing that when you're out yeah. of beer, you probably shouldn't be driving to get beer. Yeah. It's a bit of a catch 22 because, um, you're also not supposed to serve somebody who's been drinking the alcohol too. So right. I, I think if you're, if you're doing it the responsible way, then once you've drank too much and, and you can't get there, you're hooped, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, but, you yeah. know what I always thought um, would be a good idea. And I've, I've, I've shared this with people that up at clear Lake. Um, I mean, everybody knows that people line up like crazy at the white house to get those cinnamon buns. And yeah. I always yeah, I thought you, that you were telling me this in the chair one day. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know what? If someone had, do you remember Dickie D the, the ice cream, uh, bicycle guy? Yeah. I mean, if yeah. someone had a, something like that and hired a couple kids and they rang their bell and they rolled their bikes through the cabins and through the campgrounds guaranteed they oh, yeah. empty that thing. Oh, hell yeah. cinnamon buns, and it would prevent that lineup. I mean, you could be being yeah. as socially uh, distanced as possible and still get people their five pound cinnamon buns. Absolutely. Yeah. You're right. That place is bananas. I tried, I felt bad when I would go there to go talk to them about, about cause we, we ran the app actually when I said, uh, the original app in those other places, just the four big cities, we actually put Clear Lake on there. And I pretty much just put Clear Lake on there so that every summer I could go up there and spend a few days working up there to go get everybody on board. Uh, but I would have to go see those guys to see if they had a menu, if they wanted, they wanted to update in there, if they did want to advertise in there, anything like that. And every time I go in there, I'd be like, there's a lineup out the door and around the corner. And I'm like, not only do I have to cut in front of all these people to go talk to them, because you're not going to wait in there if you're not buying something in that regards, but also I have to take somebody away from the lineup of that's actually trying to serve this hundred people that are waiting for their cinema buns. And, yeah. And you know, clearly they're not. I just kind of put the card down. I'd be like, send me your menu when you can. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, and when you have a, when you have a following like that, like, like that place has, and it's had that following for 40 years, um, they might also think, you know, maybe we don't really need this, but when you look at the, the way everything shifted this year, that lineup uh, can cause an issue. Right. So this could this could yeah, alleviate no, sure. a problem like that. This is just a obviously this is just a barber chair uh, idea that I kind of spat out at you. But dude, if you that would be a kid's dream job. Imagine the tips some kid would get. 
riding a bicycle full of cinnamon buns around <laughs> town? Well, if you talk to them and get somebody that's going to go do it, I got the software to make it happen. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, you know, it's it's just you uh, just hit the button. I need four, I need six, I need eight, and next thing you know, this kid's little beeper's going off, and he's going up a very steep incline to get to your cinnamon buns because you're too hungover to come and get them yourself. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's uh, there's not you're not the first person to come up with. Uh, with weird kind of spin-off ideas for things like this too. So we have, uh, you know, both in Ontario, we have one place where it's a resort, the Blue Mountain Resorts, where we've had people approach us there. That there's a whole bunch of restaurants in there. It's a really high-end popular resort uh, between a few me- kind of metro areas. And uh, they want us to come in there and do delivery. We're kind of working out if it's a logistically possible, but to do um, have people come in and um, drivers on uh, golf carts up there. Because you can't really drive. like The way it gets packed in there, you can't take cars. So everybody walks from place to place once you kind of get to your spot. But they right. keep golf carts at the resort. So if this works out, then people would uh, – the drivers would actually be in there with their golf carts driving from place to place. Um, and so there's, there's one like that. We've got another beach in Ontario that, that's trying to get wrapped up this year. They want to make designated delivery drop-offs on the beach kind of nearby and so that people can order and say, you know, uh, meet me at stall one on the on the main strip or something like that. And the drivers will pull up there rather than have to go out to the beach and find them or then have to just kind of stand on the sidewalk and wave. They can pull up there and, and get their food while they're on the beach or whatever else they want. Um, so, yeah, p- people get pretty creative with this when they want when they want delivery. <laughs> what, and, you know, would you ever thought in 2014 when you were putting people's menus on an app that this would have happened? That it would be involved in no, this? No, this was not. <laughs> no, it, it didn't. uh it didn't cross my mind at that time. It, there was really early on talks, I would say, as me and Mitch were getting kind of out and seeing our first Regina and Saskatoon towns, the way we're, like Skip was really starting to blow up at the time. And, and we had chats at that time about if we should be offering delivery then. And I actually think it's it's uh, kind of a blessing in disguise that we had said no at the time. like Because uh, Mitch had said one day, imagine if we had just done this back when we said instead of waiting another two and a half years. And, and my response in that regard was, was I don't think it would have been the same because what, inevitably what we would have done, because that's what we were talking about, was trying to take them on in the city. And we would have failed at that at that time. They, they had just made a $3 million raise. Um, we were just kind of getting our names out there and, and uh, attracting some attention. I mean, the only way it could have potentially worked uh, would have been if we used, the, if it had some success and we used that power to go get some capital then from, from some other folks to go take on skip and maybe, maybe get another race similar to theirs, but we were already light years behind them. At that point, they were already in, you know, six major cities in the prairies um, and, and lots of other stuff. I think it worked out the way it did for, was the best way it could have worked out because now we're going through markets where there is nobody. We have no competition. We're, we're 64 cities in now and we've only bumped into uh, the, any of the big guys twice, uh, and if and it's with them coming into our markets afterwards on some of our biggest markets, but on the rest of our markets, we haven't seen hide nor hair of them. So I, I think it worked out the best way it could have that way. Well, and you know what? It's 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 cool. And I, I've said this to you in the chair before. Like it's awesome to see somebody, you know that that I know that had an idea, and you've had success with it. You know, I'm sure there were some stumbling blocks along the way, but the fact that this has grown and you pushed through this thing the whole time, uh, it's just awesome to see because there's so many people that I, that are out there that, um, could use this as, as kind of, as kind of a lesson, 
that you can get, if you have an idea, go for it. And if you trip and fall, keep going because right now there's a lot of people that are tripping and following and try falling and trying to figure out how to either reinvent themselves or get their business back on track. Um, and I, I, I 100% believe that you and what you've done organically blossomed into something that, like I said, you never saw this coming. I've, I heard about it from day one and you come and say, yeah, we're doing this. We're over here. I'm like, holy shit. Really? Yeah. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, and I'm proud of you. Like it's, it's, it's really neat to see. Uh, but I mean, with that also comes the work balance with your family because you were gone three weeks out, two weeks home. Uh, yeah, just do three three weeks out, ten kind of a ten day home cycle. I'd come home on a Friday, have the first weekend, the weekend, and the weekend again, and then head back in. And that was kind of the the plan most of the time. Sometimes it didn't always work out that way, but yeah. And, and that was, was how many years? Yeah, of that? It, was, it was a lot. It was a lot that way. That was uh, about two years of that. Um, although even the years before that, I was I was quite often you know we actually got an apartment in Winnipeg. Because uh, when we were doing Winnipeg, I'd go in there, stay there for the week, come home on the weekend. So it was still, it was, I guess it was five years of, of being away a lot. Uh, the last two were kind of the most intense that way. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I know it was, it's, it's, you got to keep telling yourself when you're going to that part and, and everybody that's, that's involved that, uh, that there's a, there's a goal line at the end somewhere that you got to cross that it's not going to be like this forever kind of thing, you know? And it's true. I mean, it, I think it would have went probably for another year um, had it not been for COVID. Um, eventually it was going to come to this point regardless where, where it blew up to the point where this just made more sense. And we kind of knew that, uh, COVID more or less just kind of ramped it up a little sooner than we were expecting, but, uh, but, um, it would have eventually got to this point and that's kind of what you got to keep going through there. There's, uh, you know, and you're saying a lot, a lot of people have a lot of ideas. I think that's the biggest thing. Like once it started to work, like I, you know, I first said, we're, I'm, gonna, I'm leaving my job to go pursue an app. <laughs> there was a lot of people yeah. thought I was you know, fucking crazy. And, uh, and, but there was a lot of people as it started to work, the, the, the first thing I started to see was more and more people that when you, when you're talking to them, they start going, well, I have this idea and I have this idea and I have like, and everybody starts pulling out cause they start thinking, well, maybe my idea is not so shit. You know, this guy went and did something. Um, and so they would start kind of throwing you that stuff at you every time you, you seen them. And I, I think the biggest mistake I ever saw from people, um, that it was the same thing, two mistakes every time over and over again to this day, when they have an idea, um, that, that they need to sort out before they pursue it. This is kind of the pre you're going to go actually pursue this a make sure somebody else isn't doing it because I, like I would literally got to the point where somebody would pitch me an idea for an app and I'd say, hold on a second. I'd pull up my phone. I'd type in their thing and pull up like five apps and I'd be like, it's right. Like you didn't even look on the app store. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and I think that's 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 probably the number one one. Like more, it, that happened more often than it didn't happen. That that this thing would be there, out there somewhere, and they'd be like, nobody's ever done this before. It's the craziest thing. And then I'll say, go look, and, you know, it's very dead. But uh, and then the second thing on that is nobody ever thinks about the marketing side of it. That's the part that is you have to have a plan uh, when you go out there. We went, me and Mitch went to uh, to, and you have to have the money. But that's what, the entire reason we raised money on the first parts was we knew that ninety percent of it was going to marketing to get the app out there because everybody thinks that the, that their th- idea is going to be so cool that everybody's just going to go do it. And unfortunately, there's so many things out there nowadays that doesn't rarely works that way. You you need something to capture their attention. Go there if if you can get some momentum going, yeah, you can get some organic things happening. But in the beginning, when nobody knows what it is, just building a website isn't going to get people to come to it. You have to spend money to get people to that website or to get people to that app or to that idea. 
and like we, we went to a venture uh meeting in saskatoon one time when we were still up working at that, that spot things were just starting to kind of take off and uh it was kind of a this this group thing that somebody had put on in town where they, they brought uh people first of all that were venture that were kind of angel investors and venture capital people and then people with with mostly technological ideas to come together at a bar where they rented like they would they had the the upstairs reserved off it was pretty cool um you come in there and just had beers and you talk to other people that were kind of doing what you were doing and see uh what was going on and i like ours was just we had raised money we were we were, we were getting a lot of momentum getting a lot of downloads because we were spending we, we knew how to market it we learned really early on how to what was what worked and what didn't and every one of these guys would come up and start talking to us about their thing and and, and in this case they were usually really good ideas because you know, at this point, they'd, they'd fleshed it out. They've, they've gotten plans. They've maybe even gotten a little bit of uh, of investments or capital on their side. And But then you would get into that, and it always comes out. Me, me and Mitch almost started making a game. We'd be sitting there having a beer. But like, we'd listen to the whole thing. We'd be like, okay, so what's your plans for, for getting everybody to get to it? And they'd be like, oh, man, this thing's so awesome. Like, we're just – everybody's going to want it. It's just going to happen. <laughs> we just got to look at each other and be like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's that, that's the number two thing I think that people have to flesh out before. And do you have a a, a plan and, and the capital to, to market it? And if not, you got to figure that out. And very first, make sure it doesn't already exist on the App Store or somewhere uh, beforehand. But, yeah, that's, that's kind of pre – and I think, you know, advice for somebody that was going to go pursue something afterwards, one of the best pieces I had, it's it's hard. Um, but, uh, I was, one of the first books I read when we were kind of getting this going was Peter Thiel's, uh, zero to one and Peter Thiel's, if you don't know him is amazing. He, uh, was with Elon Musk. They made PayPal, uh, together. They were actually two opposing people trying to make the same PayPal concept. And then everything was going up in a dot com bubble. Uh, and they decided at a last minute ditch effort before they both went under to, to pitch together and put their, and just abandon their egos and, and put the, their two ideas together to make what became PayPal. And uh, and it worked, and they blew up, and now they they call this group of uh, I think it's about four or five guys the PayPal Mafia uh, because between them they have something like twelve or thirteen billion dollar companies now since PayPal that they've all done. So um, obviously you know, Musk everybody knows his nowadays, but uh, I think Peter Thiel went on to do LinkedIn was one of his, and I think maybe an early investor in Twitter was was one of the guys from there, one of the early concepts for that, bunch of ones like that. But he said, uh, "Burn your boats." which was something that came from uh, Cortez when they found uh, Central America. Um, Cortez had been tasked with coming home with gold for, uh, for Spain and he wasn't going to come back without it. And yet by the time they got there, all of his guys were just about ready to mutiny and wanted to turn tail and go home. So he set all the ships on fire and said, we're not going home until we find the gold. And, uh, it ended up working for him. He ended up being a terrible person. <laughs> Did a lot yeah. of very bad things in his conquest. But uh, but it, it, it worked out as far as his plan goes. And that's kind of what Peter Thiel was talking about there. He said, when you commit to something like this, you need to, to go. No matter how rocky it's going to get, no matter how bumpy it's going to get, you can't get scared and, and go back to your old whatever you were doing before. The second things aren't working out very well. Because that's, that's what's going to test. You're going to get that. And any good thing that's going through, you're going to hit some wall, uh, probably 10 of them, that are not going to... Uh, be um you know that are not going to be easy to get through that are, that are going to have to get through without kind of just thinking back how nice it used to be when you didn't have to do to think about these things and uh, i had to do that quite a bit run that i literally have to run that that saying through my mind a few times because i start to think of you know you know maybe we didn't have any kind of capital coming in right away and things were starting to dry up and start start to kind of look and go well, I wonder if Murray's would take me back. Right? <laughs> I can still sell cars, <laughs> and you start kind of having those thoughts, right? <laughs> and you know, and you know, you could, 
you know you could go back and that's that's the that's the scary part is that you could but would you it's yes it's no different than you know myself pursuing my this new career that i've got in real estate i mean i love being a barber love it love it love it love it i know that one day i'll have to put my tools down i'll have to in order to commit now for me it was going to be a slow transition from the chair into real estate and I would have been a fool to just drop it. Cause I, again, I like the reason this podcast even exists is because I like talking to people. I like to shoot the shit with people, get my balls busted every once in a while. And yeah. I don't think I could ever give that part of it up. Um, I mean, I've done almost everything you could do in the barber side. I've, I've been an educator. I've traveled. I've done a lot of everything. I've owned a business. I've, I've really hit the ceiling as far as where I can go with what I've been doing. Um, but I know that one day the tools are going to be put down and that's a scary thought because right now I get to say, no, nope, mm-hmm. I'm just going to be behind the chair more and concentrating real estate less. Well, that's counterintuitive. I need to focus on real estate. Um, like obviously right now I got the wheels knocked out from underneath me on the barbershop side. Cause this was supposed to be a, compress the schedule on the barbershop side as I grow my business on the real estate side. And then eventually I've got a really tight schedule on the barbershop side. Cause I want to keep the guys like, I, I still love being there and you know, like you and all the guys that I get coming in there, but yeah. you know, not be taking on at more clients, just sort of really focusing on, on my main boys. Um, but when COVID hit and we got shut down for the second time, now that I was licensed, dude, I became a student of that industry. And I've learned a lot in a short amount of time as to, I think, what the successful guys do. I've learned some things that successful people do that I won't do. Because um, mm-hmm. there's good and bad personalities in every in every single uh, industry. And many times I've heard in the chair, you know, I've said, yeah, I'm going into real estate. And how many times have I heard, you know, you don't seem like a realtor. I don't know. Thanks. <laughs> you know, Race. but I mean, I'm also a guy Race. used to swing a hammer, right? Yeah, it, and it's yeah. not, it's not that that's a bad thing, but I mean, yeah. it's, no. it's, I think that I, people have had good and bad, um, um, dealings with people in any kind of sales force, whether it's cars, whether it's, uh, yeah. like, it, honestly, if someone met you today, they'd never think that you were a car salesman. If you look at the car salesman persona, not a million years. It, it gave me such great tools for it though. Of course, you it know, did. I, I picked up some of the. I I use so many of those tools every day in the job uh, that I'm doing now, and, and, and not only in the on the business side of things because I got to work, you know, at you know Murray's is huge. I don't think a lot of people realize, and Brandon even realized that how how big they are. Um, they've got you know they're literally from coast to coast. They have ones on the island on both islands now, um, and but Doug Murray's right here, and that, I learned a lot from working right next to him. He was uh, one of our first outside investors with us. Uh, even though I just quit my job to go do this, so that tells you that he that there's something there, um, and it was a great place to work between him and, and Chuck and a bunch of the guys there. Um, they taught me a lot about business, even though that's not what you know what you're there to, to learn on that side. I was always picking their brains about how things work, uh, just the way my mind worked that way, and and uh, it really kind of encouraged me to go this route because I, I liked what I saw there. I didn't sure know if I ever wanted to you know run a dealership or something like that. It kind of seemed like an all right idea, but I knew I liked the business side of things. And you kind of pick that up. And then also the, the sales training too. So, Well, the sales trainings there. Yeah. And it, like I, you know, as well as anybody else, I, I threw my hat in the ring uh, at Murray's. 
and I wasn't ready to put the tools down. You know, I got, I got yeah. spooked. I was like, Nope, no way. You'll never be this, ready. This You'll wasn't me. Ready. This wasn't me. <laughs> um, and what happened with, on this side with me, with, with the real estate side, it was a conversation in the chair that got me slightly interested in it. And, um, it was actually a trip to, um, Jamaica with the family that made my decision for me because yeah. we went, the kids had a great time and I remember thinking, man, why does it have to be such a goddamn grind for me to take the family on a trip? Like why, why did I have to, you know, scrape to make this happen? And we got back and I said, you know what? I've had this brochure sitting here about real estate that I got from Century 21 and I said, you know what? I, I, it's time that I did this. Like, why wouldn't I do this? Mm-hmm. And, uh, sometimes it's not just the, the, um, the industry that reaches out to you. It's the situation that you're in and you realize, you know what? I think I can take what I've done over the last 20 years and flip this into something bigger, uh, dealing with the exact yeah. same people that I've been dealing with for the last 20 years. And the people that I've been dealing with have been clients. You know, they've been people that have been in my chair and there's a, there's a certain level yeah. of trust that goes there too. So no, and, and the yeah. nice thing about even a home, I don't have to sell you a house. You walk into a house, you either want it or you don't. Like, I can't sell you something that yeah. does not work for you. Um, and it's either right or it's wrong. If it's right, great. If it's right, but yeah. it has some issues, being a guy that used to swing a hammer for a living, I could say that doesn't look like a major issue, or maybe you really got to look at that before you decide to pen a deal on this thing. So I think I bring a couple things to that, to that game too, where, um, I'm not really selling you. I'm helping you. And it's like hunting. I mean, uh, as a hunter, you ask me for a unicorn, dude, I'll find one. I'll look, I'll dig and dig, dig till I find it. And here's three unicorns. I found them. Are either one of these going to work for you? No. Okay. I guess I got to find another one. But that's, that's kind of the fun part of that industry where it's, um, it's, it's, I don't feel like I'm selling anything to anybody. So I think it feels more natural, just like a haircut. I don't have to sell you a haircut. And if I give you a shitty one, guess what? You're not going to come back and buy another one from me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> not twice anyway. Or, yeah. No. But more than no. twice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, I think, I it, think it's, that. It's, I agree with you on the sales side too. The, the uh, I was just going to say like the, the, that was a big change for me on this side too was, um, you know, selling cars was some, like somebody comes, some, some people came in there and they want to buy a car and they're really excited about it. And, and that was always the fun part. And then the other part is trying to get people to buy their maybe just casually looking or you're mining your database that maybe don't need there. Some people like that a lot, but it always felt like you're trying to, you're, sometimes you're trying to, you feel like you're selling something that they, they don't necessarily need or don't want kind of thing. And then I moved over with the first app into advertising and it was the same thing again. I knew this could benefit them when I would go in there. I'd, I'd be looking at it, some small mom and pop shop in Winnipeg. And saying like where you can see their they, on their Facebook page they have a ton of great reviews but nobody knows they're there. Well, if you can get it out there more, you're going to help them. Everything else, but at the end of the day, people hear advertising and they it's the same thing. They're like, ah, oh, get out of here, you know, I don't need that. Um, and and it was still trying to like felt like I was doing something more productive when I because I knew what what value would be for them, but they didn't always see it that way. And then finally, you land in something you like doing like this when we're, we're going with delivery. And now it's literally like some people are just like, no, I. That's not for me, but so many places you call or get in talking to them and they're like, yes, get that over here right now. <laughs> well, and the thing is, you're, sol- you're solving. They're problems. happy. You're happy. Yeah. I and mean, what yeah. you're doing is you're solving problems for them that they didn't realize they, they didn't realize they had a problem. This is the way this place has been for the last 40 yeah. years and it's run great. You're right. You do run a great restaurant. It's fantastic. Uh, 
but this could also help. And, and especially again with COVID yeah. hitting, and I hate to bring up COVID all the time, but how many of these restaurants that you, out you that you got on board uh, that were on board with you, this wasn't even a thought. And then COVID hit, and suddenly, okay, we can still make some money. This is good. We've we've got this in place. We can still sell some food. We can still deliver some stuff. I mean, the yeah. lifeline that you presented to them that they didn't realize they'd ever need was suddenly there. They had a tool in their toolbox that yeah. they didn't realize they needed. I mean, we all have a tool sitting in our garage that we bought for some stupid reason. We thought we wanted it, never used it. Then suddenly you're doing a project like, oh, hey, I've got that tool. You're that tool. You'll that not thing. say you're a tool, <laughs> but, you're, but that's exactly what happened. You, you became that tool in the toolbox that of these guys didn't realize they needed. You know, like, why do I have a router or a, like, or a belt sander? I've got one. How often do I use it? Once since I bought it. <laughs> You know, but if I need it, yeah. it's there. They've got you guys um, doing something that they didn't realize that they should have been doing from day one. They were running great without it. But yeah. when it all fell apart, dude, you helped. How many restaurants have you got in your, off the top of your head? How many restaurants do you think you have as clients, give or take? About 600. Okay. That's 600 yeah. families, yeah. dude, that are, yeah. that's 600 people that are feeding their families, probably in a big part because of what you brought to them. Yeah, it, the, it, it hasn't fallen uh, uh, short of our recognition that we, that we realize that in a lot of these cases too. It's, it's uh, you know, I, I see some of the bad press. It, it was a big thing, you know, for a lot of the places that, that they kind of stabbed back at a lot of the urban companies and were saying, you know, all of a sudden now we have to use these, these platforms and they're just gouging us the shit out of us kind of thing. And, and I, it, it seems to me, there's probably some truth to that in some cases, like some, some of the companies charge a little too much, but I also know now that we get into this more that they have a lot of expenses that, uh, that we did, that we don't have to have in the small markets. And that's, so I don't fault them in any way shape or form for the, the kind of uh, work they do. And I think a lot of people don't realize that too. If, if they were making so much money off of the percentages that they're charging, how come almost none of them have ever made a profit? Um, you know, there's, they, they know where their margins are. They know what they need to be at. And if somebody doesn't want the service in that regards, I don't believe that anybody has to use them. That. Like now in COVID, yes, sorry, don't get me wrong. But there was, that was a lot of a statement beforehand. People were like, oh, now we have to use them and they charge so much. And it's, you don't have to use it. Lots of restaurants have never used these platforms and done quite well. Um, but it does add a lot of revenue on. And now that all of a sudden they need them, um, it's, it's, that's been a lot of bad press for that. But what you don't see make the press is how many restaurants are out there saying thank you. Um, and how many restaurants we have just amazing relationships with, um, that we talk with all the time. That's, that's 90% of our restaurants. Um, and that's not the, you don't see that in the headline. Like, I mean, that's, that's kind of the shitty side of, of the media and, and things like that is like they, they want to, they want anger and strife and upset people. Like that's what makes that, that's what makes sales, not sales, I was gonna say sells papers, but <laughs> I don't think <laughs> who buys a paper these days, <laughs> yeah. but you're but, right. I mean, we yeah, don't hear the mean, good though. stuff. We, we don't hear the good stuff. We hear the, uh, everybody bitches and complains because of X, Y, and Z, or because this company's charging them, whatever. Um, but you're right. How many people, would be shuttering their doors if this didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the flip side too is it's, it's made a lot of jobs too, in that regards, we have, we have 550 drivers 
uh, right now across the country that are that are working in some places. People that that were quite often places uh, people with us right now that were laid off from their other job, not laid off, but can't work at their other job uh, due to COVID and stuff like that. Now that the you know, we've got work for them if they want to go work. And we, we, there's lots of towns we need a lot more drivers in. And that's kind of how we advertise. Like we, we literally go to the restaurants sometimes and say, you know, if you have people that you had to um, lay off or, or, or give less hours to at this point, because you can't have people in your restaurants, send them our way. They can come drive for us. And we're not even, you know, the, it's the nature of the job. It's a gig job. We're not even mad when your doors open and they have to go back and work for you again. And maybe they'll still give us the odd day at that point kind of thing. So we've got a lot of drivers from reaching out to the restaurants that way. Um, so I, I, I feel really good about everything we do. I don't let those those headlines uh, get to me. Um, it would just be nice to see ones go the other way sometimes. But <laughs> And to be fair, we're so low, low radar right now. We don't make headlines. So it's always just reading the headlines about uh, about the other guys. But Well, and, and, yeah. but that's fine. I mean, the fact that the people that know you know what it is. They, they know your story. They know yeah. that you're um, the people that you've had as clients over these years that you've been in existence with this company. Um, they know your story. That's all that matters. Like, does it matter oh, yeah, what the, sure. the rest of the world thinks? Oh. No. And I mean, and that's the thing. You changed I didn't, it, I didn't right? mean it that way. <laughs> no, no, no. But no, I didn't mean really. that way either. We, we don't want press actually at this point. We're happy to be low radar right now. This is, this is, we're flying under everybody's radar while we keep getting bigger and bigger. And by the time that they realize we're here, then uh then they can start worrying about it i guess but <laughs> right but like i said the the important people are the ones that you're you're dealing with and the people that the word of mouth yeah. like i said with the organic growth it's the people that really matter are the ones that are supporting you uh the naysayers yep. are out there and you're going to get that no matter what you do for a living you know like and yep. okay now one thing i didn't wouldn't touch on you changed it it used to be dash is Dash still exist yep. or is it Feastify now? Just Feastify now. So I can't get into the details too much because of an NDA in place, but uh, we we had the trademark to Dash in Canada uh, because of the original app since 2014. And uh, with when DoorDash came to um, Canada, they did not right off the get-go, but especially this last year when we started bumping into each other in markets and stuff, there was some confusion both ways um, sometimes about who was who. And so we made an agreement with them, and uh, uh, we gave them our trademark, and we became Feastify. Yeah, I mean, names are a tough one because even when I when I was naming my barbershop that I had, um, I almost couldn't get it because there was a place called Blades in Winnipeg, and right. mine was a play yeah. on that word. Yeah. So it could be that close where they go, well, you know what? I go, well, it's this. It's not that. And um, yeah, I can see how that it yeah. makes sense. You know, and why why bother keeping yeah. the big dog too? Yeah, no, it was, it worked. It was a it was a good arrangement that we came to on both sides. Everybody's happy, I think, at this point. And we didn't skip a beat. I mean, we were we were kind of worried when we made the, the the name change. You know, how many how many people are going to drop off and not realize who we are and go off? But I think because of a big part, we're we're the only people in these markets. It helped the transition be a lot more easy. We 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 changed the app way it looked changed all of our facebook and instagram and pages across for for all the different towns because we make one in each town and just put the new logos up the new name made posts out to them about what had happened overnight people got an update that that their that their app changed from dash app to feastify and we didn't have the slightest bit of a wrinkle in uh in orders through that time it just kept going on on and on and uh it's only been a few months but already everybody's kind of got it trained into their system now who we are so it's good 
Yeah, and that's the nice thing about the internet. It's it's pretty instant, and yeah. thanks to social media, it can be you can change the name from this to that, and people are gonna almost forget what it was. You know, we're yeah. not we're not that tied yeah. into it. People change their websites all the time. They change podcasts all the time. All the oh, time, yeah. everything gets changed, and it's we're in such an instant society that to have um, a name change, and I think it's a cool name. Feast Fight makes sense. Like I'm, I'm assuming you were sitting around having a couple of drinks when you thought that one up. Well, no, we so you know one of the biggest mistakes we made the first time around um, with Dash, and it, although it ended up in this regard with the uh, way things worked out everywhere that, that worked out really well, but we had a huge uphill battle for the first few years because uh, Dash, and this is another piece of advice for somebody if you're going out there to go to go making a, a business or a particular something online nowadays, an app or anything like that. The, the the uniqueness of your name um, is very important, uh, especially if you're going to be on things like the App Store. Because with Dash, on, we didn't do too bad on the on the Apple Store. It didn't take very long for us to uh, to climb up and, and start getting in front of people. But for the first two years, it was an absolute nightmare, especially on the Android Store, to get people to find the app if they went to the App Store. Because as soon as you typed in Dash, there was Dash Cam apps. There was Dash Diner games, a whole series of them. Uh, all this, and those things are, are worldwide. They're not relegated like we were at the time to a couple provinces in Canada. Um, so even like a simple game like Diner Dash could have a million downloads somewhere. And so you'd have to scroll down to find us. So we were constantly having to send people over to the website uh, and say, if you go to our website, if you went to dashapp.ca, then you would get there and uh, you would see that uh, um, that you know, click here for Android, click here for Apple. And that's, that's how we had to get to work. But with, so when we, when we knew that there was a uh, name change potentially coming, we started thinking about like for a long time beforehand, what, what it should be. And we kept coming back to feast. Cause there was nothing like we weren't going to be any but feast. It was gonna be feast. That's what we wanted to be one word, uh, the way, the way it would go. And on the app store, there's nothing for feast. And there was nothing on, you know, anywhere at the time for any like thing like that. Even on Google, when you search it, there's very little that came up under, under feast as far as brands and things like that. So we were set on feast. Uh, and then as we got closer and we were, had to, we knew it was actually coming. Um, apparently it's just in the last couple of years in Canada, they changed the uh, trademark uh, kind of regulations. So you can no longer use a one word name. That's a common name, a common word. So we couldn't just be feast or, or just, we could, at least we couldn't trademark feast. Uh, you could do feast and another word and kind of put them together and make something. Uh, or you could do what we did, which was make it a new word that didn't exist before. Um, and then all of a sudden it's, it's definitely, you, you, you're kind of protecting yourselves in some way that there's no trademark issue down the road because nobody's going to have feastify. It's not, a, not even a word. Uh, although as soon as we actually did it, somebody came up with a recipe app afterwards on the store. I see somewhere after we trademarked it, they're not in Canada. So I don't think there's any, any issues there, but, um, but yeah, so, but it, the importance of being, having a unique name is, cannot be understated it's uh you're gonna fight forever to get it to the top of those stores and, and listings if you if you have something that everybody else has well yeah and i think we 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 consistently run out of like you say if someone comes up with this great idea and there's already 50 of them out there you know that's that's yeah. where you run into when you're <laughs> thinking of a name when you're thinking of a business name when you're thinking of anything it's it's how do you how do you get this to one roll off the tongue two make sense Mm-hmm. and be memorable when someone's searching for it right um i know yeah. like even with this with the podcast it was uh, originally i was going to call it behind the chair two things wrong with that one it it locks me in it sounds like a barber podcast which it's not um yeah. two there's actually a like a southern baptist church down the states that has a podcast <laughs> called behind the chair 
and this is definitely not that. Um, and th- it's definitely not that, you know. And then I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I can incorporate my name into it, and that doesn't roll off the tongue. I ended up with Q and U, which seems to work. Um, it got approved really fast, and now I'm just obviously just recording my content. Yeah. I'm gonna pop them all up there, but I did notice when I searched Q and U, well, Q is CBC's big show. Uh, CBC radio is a big show yeah. and there's very few things that just have the letter Q and then a space and then stuff. So great. Thank God. My name is Quentin. Yep. You know, so yeah, you, when you're yep. thinking of a name for a business, um, have something that is yours and can always be yours and um, make sure that there aren't 50 other ones, like search out what you're doing. And if it's a, an app for whatever, make sure there isn't something else that's just like that. If I'm doing a podcast, I don't want to have five other podcasts named the same thing. Cause which one are you looking for? Yeah. But yeah, no, I think yeah, that, sure. and there's certain things that you can't do too. Like even if you have a business, uh, don't name it after yourself. This is easy. This is a podcast. I could change the name in five minutes if I wanted to. But when you're looking at businesses, I remember someone telling me, don't, ever name your business after yourself because it's real hard to sell that to somebody else. Like yeah, if you look at that. Ed's, we, we do see at, a lot of restaurant brands. Oh, you do. But if you look at, look at Ed's barbershop down yeah. in college, that dude's name yeah. is Ned. In fact, the guy, <laughs> that guy's name is Ned. He's been there for probably 30 years, but he bought it from Ed and I guess never wanted to change the sign. Yeah, well, no, it's a sign you got a brand, right? And that people are coming to go see that brand. I mean, like Mary Brown's Chicken or uh, or ones like that. You know, once the brand's out there, somebody come in there. The next person who comes there is stupid if they change the name at that point because you may not want you want to put your name up there. You don't want you know, say you somebody bought Mary Brown's the franchise when they when they did the smartest move they did was not change that because they might have wanted to put their own name up there or do something else to get the Mary Brown out there. But everybody in that local Newfie town that that made it famous knew what Mary Brown's was. That's why it was famous. Probably everybody in the neighboring towns they were built out to and stuff like that. Um, so you, you can't let go of that brand awareness that you have that's tied to the name. But you're right if you didn't do it in the first place. That question doesn't even have to come up in the conversation. So, yeah, I mean, I can't think of a single restaurant that changed its name that was successful. That you could re- can you remember anything that changed to something else and it was the same restaurant? If they did, I can't remember what it used to be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, but I think most of them, once they had a brand, they <laughs> they just maintained the brand. But it's uh, but you're right. Yeah. If someone has an idea, really start penciling it out and do your research. And now that you've got really the internet you can search anything that you're trying to think up and make sure that you're not repeating someone else's idea because mm-hmm. i mean there's um yeah i guess it's intellectual property that you could be going after too right if you come up with this great idea you might have thought you saw it in a dream or maybe you drove through a town and you saw it and you forgot about it and you thought you know this would be a really good idea for uh you know a seafood restaurant something with a lobster on the uh on the side would be perfect like a red one Okay, that exists, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's been around for a long time. Yeah. yeah. But no, man, no, I think sure. that, you know. It's, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's something else. Like, and you're also, you hit on a point, point there, too. It's not just like the, the importance of the idea being unique is all, has other deeper meanings, too, in that regard. It's like uh, the reason Peter Thiel's book was called Zero to One is because him and the guys he invests with only invest in ideas that didn't improve on some other idea. They wanted something that didn't exist. And then it did, because those are the ones where, you know, if you, if you take an idea and you go improve on it, and, I, and I'm a great, great example is us right now. 
um, we're working to build something here that's that, that's that's becoming a, a, you know something that's that's becoming worth more and more every day. But had we come up with something that was one that if, had you been the first person to, to create third party delivery, like some of the companies that have already cashed out there, or even a step go like like a skip who has had such success because they were the first ones in Canada to like in the ideas of Canadian minds, they did go from zero to one. This thing didn't exist. And all of a sudden it was here. That's where the real potential to do something really unique, um, to attract a lot of attention, to attract a lot of capital, which is important when you're, when you're doing a venture of any kind comes from having something that, that literally didn't exist. And then, and then it only existed when it came out of your mind and became something. Um, and if you're just improving slightly on somebody else's design a bit, okay, you might be able to, to, to do something with that. Uh, there's got to be some level of something new. And in our case, it wasn't, we didn't reinvent the wheel with, with delivery, but we were the first people to bring it to, to all these rural markets across Canada. Um, so there was still something that was, that, that wasn't there before, you know, and that's where you really find success. I think is, is going out there and trying to do your own thing. Well, and I think that when, when somebody has an idea and I've heard a lot of them, a lot of them in the chair, and I you might hear, I've heard some, <laughs> I've heard some good ones and I've heard some, okay. But here's the thing. If you think you have a stupid idea, just remember this. Somebody invented the pool noodle. <laughs> yeah. Like some dude <laughs> invented the pool noodle <laughs> and you know what? They might only cost two bucks to buy, but there's 50 billion pool noodles out there that some dude thought up. That thing didn't exist ten years ago, yeah. did it? Yeah. Like how long has a pool yeah, noodle been so. around? Yeah, around it. But now every single yeah, 10, 10, 15. Every pool has them. Every resort has them. And some guy somehow thought it, it was probably pipe insulation. I'm assuming at the first the first time they came out. Yeah. You know, but there are no dumb yeah. ideas. It's how do you execute it? How do you how do you take this idea? Like who's going to buy it? everybody's going to buy it. Suddenly everybody bought the pool noodle. Just like you weren't in the small markets and suddenly the small markets now have the service that didn't exist for them earlier. You know, is it crazy yeah. to go to yeah. small town Verdon or small town Dauphin and offer it? I grew up in Dauphin, man. The only place that delivered when I grew up was a pizza place. And it was just pizza place. That's the only restaurant that there was Almost in town always. that had, had delivery. That was it. And you brought Almost something always. to, yeah, you brought something to a small town that they never had. You literally brought the pool noodle <laughs> into existence. Like it's, it's kind of the same, the same thing. You, you brought something that was it needed? Yeah. There's a need for it. Was everybody aware that it was easy to get? No. Yeah. And now they have it. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. The important part, like you, you touched on this earlier on too. I wanted to say something then, but uh, we kind of got off topic a little bit there. But one of the most important part about executing the plan too, when you when you go there, is realizing the moment. I think that 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 drives you to a point where you're willing to make that that plunge where you see that. You said it yourself before, like the, for you, it was uh, it was that you know you were on that vacation and you got home and decided like how how can I make it so I don't have to scrape next time to do this again, and that kind of led you somewhere else. And in my case, it was actually I thought we thought about this app thing for a while. And there was an incident at work I won't you know, really get into in that regards, but it just made me kind of come and realize that if I kept doing what I was doing, I was always going to be working for somebody else. And um, always I, I had some ideas that we never got executed and things like that because I wasn't high enough you know, in, in the chain of command at that point to, to execute them. And I didn't want to wait 
however long it was going to take to get me to that place to, to go there. I, said, I thought that day, you know what, I'm going to go do something now where for better or for worse, when I execute it, if it, if it's, if it's, yeah, if it, yeah, if it fails, that's on me, but if it's a success, that's also on me and you know, everybody else that you bring on board with you. And, uh, it's uh, that that was kind of the driving factor. And I think if somebody's got an idea like that out there, that they need to get to 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 go, and they're they're sitting around one day. Watch for that moment where you're just like, "Fuck this, <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore," you know. Um, and 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 wait for that that point where where it's going to be there because you get them all the time. It's no different than like quitting smoking. I I, I smoked for uh, 15 years, and the time when I quit when it worked was when all of a sudden one day I woke up hungover or whatever it was and coughing too much and was like you know. Screw this! I'm not. I'm not doing this anymore. And then just stuck with it. I think the kind of thing works that way too. If you, wait till you're, you know, when you, when you hit that moment where you're uncomfortable in your life the way it is right now, and you've got this idea you want to go for. I don't think there's any better time than to start looking at that idea at that point in time and say, you know, uh, if you, you're never going to do it when you're happy in your situation, right? <laughs> if you, no, the days no, when the checks it, are rolling in and everything's working pretty good. Yeah, yeah, because they're not 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 desperation, but. There's that, there is that time where if everything's going great, why would you change? But if you have an idea or if you, yeah, don't rock the boat. You know, like I, I could easily spend the rest of my working days behind the chair and be quite happy there. Absolutely. And I'll probably still have my foot behind the chair for quite some time, but it's that, that step up or step aside mentality. Either you step up and do it, or you're going to watch someone else do it and think, man, that could have been me. Why didn't I do it? I mean, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying the real, the real estate side of it. Um, my only regret is that I didn't do it sooner, you know, cause it's, yeah. there, there's, it's, it's a hell of a business, but, um, you know, what keeps me, what keeps me going forward is it's, you know, the, the people that are, you know, emptying the fridge in my house, like <laughs> that's, that's who keeps me driving forward. And it's probably <laughs> the same thing for you. You know, yeah, like craft dinner doesn't buy itself. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. If that's not a t-shirt somewhere, that should be one. <laughs> you, you know what? <laughs> that'll, be the, that'll be the next app. <laughs> but you know what, man? I, that's you know awesome. what? I, 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 we've had so many talks in the chair. I'm glad that we got to, to do this and, uh, uh, you got to share this and people can sort of, they'll be able to see where this came from and and that you're you're still you you're the guy that you've been all this time nothing really changed except you work ten thousand times harder than most people that i know um <laughs> but no you know what i think I, I think it's great I, i'm so happy that you you said you'd come on and uh and do this with me and i'm hoping that we could do this again sometime I, i'd like to see where where the future is for for your company and for your family and how everything's evolving. So, you know, I, I say we do this again um, yeah. sometime soon, man. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's fun. I'd be happy to do it again. And uh, when don't give up a hundred percent of that chair, because I've been following you around for 15 years now and get you to, to, to chop mine. I don't, I don't uh, want to start looking for somebody new now. So I'll tell you what, <laughs> Plus this, I mean, you got to like, once we're allowed to do this again, you got to, I know that beard. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, man? The only I, I I've said this before, and I'll say it again. The only time that my clippers will go down permanently is when my hands stop working. Because I love yeah, it. I, I it's it. part of me. It's been part of me for 21 years. Um, but uh, the reality is, I've had some some health issues with my legs and stuff. 
Um, sometimes it's a, it's a grind. I'm thankful that the gym's opening up so I can get, cause part of my rehabilitation for my legs is actually getting the blood pumping through in the morning. That's why I'm at the gym before I go to work. Cause lots of times by the time Thursday, Friday comes along, I'm hobbling around, man. So I know that yeah. my age is going to catch up to me, but no, no, no. I'll always be behind that chair. It's just going to be uh one day. It'll be at a compressed capacity. Yeah. You got to do what you love. You got to love what you do. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you know what? You can figure out new things to love. But I mean, I think that um, doing what I've done all this time, I've learned a lot from people like yourself, uh, lots of people who have changed careers, um, that it's it's possible. You can do it. I've seen guys go from one thing to another that were completely oh, yeah. opposite. Um, I and I think... It. Well, yeah, and they kill it. And I've seen that right now. You're going to see a lot of career changes due to COVID too. If you were in the service industry, yeah, how many people are going to say, piss on this, I'm done? You know, how many people yeah. were were uh, thinking about going into, thinking about opening even something like a daycare as much as you love kids? Yeah. But man, what a risky job that is now. And it never seemed to be that bad. Yeah, yeah. Very you much know, so. so there's... There's yeah. a lot of things that you, I think everybody's going to be reevaluating life in the next six months. I can't wait to see the rebuild, you know, where we come after we've mm. gone through this. And uh, honestly, I think that you and your company are part of that. You're part of that for all these restaurants that uh, that really would have been toast otherwise. And I don't, I don't think, I don't know if you realize that, man, but um, I have guys <laughs> that come into the shop that have restaurants. I have people that have used your service. And they said, if we can deliver our food, we would be shuttering the doors. That'd be it. Done. So, you know what? I think that's, I think you should be really proud of yourself for what you've, uh, what you've done uh, in the small towns and the major centers and, you know, go to sleep at night knowing that you, you help some other family uh, put uh, craft dinner in their, in their uh, closet. <laughs> <laughs> perfect man i appreciate that a lot <laughs> all right man okay i'm gonna uh i'm gonna let you go this is awesome and we will definitely do this again the next time i see you it'll be behind the chair that's exactly what it'll be soon too <laughs> all right buddy all right buddy i will talk to you again thanks have a good night yep cheers brother take her easy cheers